Hey friends, welcome to the brand new Rutgers Chi Alpha podcast. Here's a small recording from our recent Monday Night Live meeting. Hope you enjoy. Hey, you doing all? We are coming close to the end of the semester. Don't you feel it? Isn't this like, don't you feel like you're glad that midterms are over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the stress of it is kind of stressful, you know, a lot of us, but some are in a feeling like we want this really thing to end now. And some of the, the rest of us are feeling the same way because this is also the end of the journey, meaning uh, graduation. And you're going to miss this. You're going to really miss this. And let me say to all of you, you are going to make it. We only got five weeks left. This is, this is it. Almost two years ago, uh, Elizabeth, yeah. we, uh, you joined Chi Alpha as its first time missionary associate, along with the great um, Dr. Sierra Williams, future Dr. Sierra Williams. But C, Dr. C is now working on our PhD in microbiology. And I can't really. Yeah, right. But that summer, we started this, we started this book club, which was kind of, which was kind of fun oh my gosh. with the classic knowing God and Elizabeth showed up to book club without her book. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do here, but anyway, so we started this with knowing God by a guy by the name of J.I. Packer. So I recall that we had some amazing, really eye-opening um, thought-provoking conversations, yeah. even to the point of some permanent tattoos that you copied off of me, but that's a different story. But Packer now is one of these ODGs. He's a uh, old dead guys. Old because, dead guy, yeah. Because he passed away last July, Rip. unfortunately, and was a theologian <laughs> and actually editor of the English Standard Version of the Bible. Yeah, so if you read ESV, you should... You Which a lot of us do, name. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tonight we're going to be discussing um, a chapter from this book, Knowing God. Um, and I just want to like quick disclaimer, like this is a really dense book. Like Brian says we started it two years ago. Like we haven't finished it yet. We got one chapter left. <laughs> we still have <laughs> to talk about one more chapter. Um but it has been such an amazing book. Um, I feel like God has really spoken through this book um, for me personally, and I'm sure for Brian and CC too, um, just to like further understand um, like his character and like what, like what does it mean when you say that God is love, when God is, is just, when God is righteous, like and going deeper into all of those different things. Um, and so the chapter that we're going to be talking about tonight is um, one of our favorite chapters, and it is chapter two, and it is titled The People Who Know Their God. Mm. Um, and so that phrase, like, to know God, I feel like that can be thrown around pretty easily. Like, yeah, I know God, you know, like, I'm a Christian, I know God. Um, but what does that actually mean, you know, and I feel like we can have a testimony, you know, and we can, we can say like, this is how I got saved. This is how I, you know, like, this is what God did in my life type of thing. Um, and I feel like it's almost like expected, like as an evangelical Christian, like you have to say, you know, God, right. Because like you're a Christian. <laughs> um, so 
that's what we're going to dive deeper in today. Um, Brian. Yes. Do you know God? <laughs> wow. Why don't you just put me right there in the spotlight here a little bit? That sounds uh, that sounds quite deep. I think it's a good it's a good question. But as a former youth pastor, um, a pastor, missionary, the expected answer would definitely be to say yes. I mean, how can you how can you say anything but? But I've come to really know and discover that there's definitely a deeper definition. And I would say in the past, no, I did not really know God. Um, I knew, I knew about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, um, like there's so many people too. Um, and I'm sure you guys can relate because in college you meet a lot of people. Um, and there's like a difference between knowing someone, like knowing about someone and knowing someone. Yeah. Um, and so when we think about like, okay, well, what does it mean to know God? Um, one of the, the coolest examples in the Bible um, that comes to mind is Paul. Um, and he says something about this in Philippians 3 verses 7 to 10. And also side note really quick. Um, if you're not already, you guys should definitely be taking notes. I would recommend writing this stuff down like taking some time later on to go deeper into the verses we talk about um, and just like any questions that we're posing to really just like take a second and think about and really like evaluate um, your own personal relationship with the Lord. But were you going to say something? No, I was going to ask you if you knew what Philippians 3, um, 7 was. By heart? Let's ask group one who claims to memorize the whole Bible. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> oh, you mean... Um... Well, group one is really not group one anymore because mm. they weren't number one. Anyway. So, anyway, right. <laughs> so um, Philippians 3, 7 to 10, I can read it. I don't have it memorized, um, but it says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss wow. compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. Well, that's a big statement. Yeah. Um, and so when we hear what Paul's idea is of what it means to know God, it's like when you compare it to everything else that we would consider of the world to be of profit so like like money fame fortune a degree you know like like status like all of these things that that we believe are valuable of this life are literally considered worthless to him compared to the surpassing greatness of what it means to know god um so like all of these other things are considered garbage, basically, is what he's saying. Um, Isn't one of those other words um, considered dung? Yeah, in some translations, he says dung, um, manure, poop. Yeah. <laughs> really, I just wanted to say poop, but um, Well, yeah. there's an app for that, isn't there? Uh-huh. All right. Anyway. So, right, I had said earlier about knowing God. Um, and this is really contrasting with 
knowing about versus knowing. And this would be good to consider, like, as we state, we would be able to state the gospel clearly, even tell what's not right or unsound from a mile away, like, oh, that doesn't sound really right. But even if we, if we're asked to give the right answer, that we come to know good, know God through Jesus Christ as Lord in his virtue of his cross, meditation on the basis of his word, promise by the power of the Holy Spirit, or by a personal exercise of faith somehow. Yet there are some real distinctives of the character, heart, spirit of those who have known God. A little knowledge of God is worth more than a great knowledge about him. Hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're going to dive deeper into today. Um, and so to give you like a little bit of an overview of what we're gonna talk about. So Packer talks about two points um, and I'm gonna go through those briefly. And then we're gonna go through four characteristics of the people who know their God. Okay. Um, and so first he makes the two points. Um, number one, one can know a great deal about God without much knowledge of him. And so when we talk about the difference between knowing about versus knowing, um, it's completely possible for someone to be super interested in theology, in reading the Bible, in history, in apologetics. Um, you could write articles, you could lead study groups, you could do all of these things and be so knowledgeable, like head knowledge, um, knowing about God and still not know him personally. Um, and all of these things aren't bad things, but interest in these things, so interest in theology, interest in, interest in knowledge about God, interest in, um, you know, like leading a study group to like, like do all these things, like the capacity to think clearly um, and, and to talk well on all of these different like, you know, Christian themes and ideas and, and what the Bible says and, and, you know, the character of God, like all these things, like it's not the same thing as knowing him, hmm. um, which is kind of like a, oh, whoa, you know, gotta take some time to digest that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good consideration. What was the, what was the second one? Um, so the second point that he makes is that one can know a great deal about godliness without much knowledge of God. Okay. Um, and so this is now going into the lifestyle of a Christian and like, like, like the, the acting and the speaking and the doing. Um, so in the same way, you can read books, you can listen to sermons or podcasts, you can um, learn how to pray. You can learn how to read your Bible. You can learn how to evangelize. You can learn how to tithe. You can do all of these things and go through the motions, um, is like a, a common term going through the motions of, of like how to be a Christian, you know, how are we supposed to speak? How are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to live? Um, how to live godly lives. Right. And still not know God. Um, and so it's certainly possible, and Packard goes into this, um, it's possible to learn secondhand um, about the practice of Christianity to maybe even, like maybe you've learned it so well to the point where you can even help other people who are struggling with relevant advice, you know, give them the right Bible verses, um, and maybe even gain a reputation for being like, like what, what 
Brian said before, like he was literally like a youth pastor and he's like, like, would you say like you weren't even sure if you could really say that you knew God? Not, yeah, not know him or to be known by him. Mm. So you can have all of these things, right? Like outwardly do all the right things, say all the right things and still not know God. Um, and like, just a quick, yeah, sorry, we have to go through this quick, but like, I feel like that's, that's basically what I went through. Like the first, like through middle school, through high school, it's like, I outwardly, like, it looks like I was living a godly life. Right. But like inwardly, my heart wasn't in the right place. I wasn't seeking him daily. Like God wasn't Lord over my life. Um, if that makes sense, hopefully it does. Yeah, I think we can know about God and it'd be more like about a performance, mm -hmm. like you had said about saying the right things, reading the reading the right things, and everything looked very good on the outside. But deep in inside of our heart, whether we actually know and respond to the character of God. So Packer, when we unpacked this, he had listed like four things that he had said that you could say that were um, evidences really of what it meant to know God. Now, he looked at the book of Daniel, mm -hmm. which really specifically goes into really the most striking of answer. The first thing that we that we had talked about was, yeah, number one, is that those that know God have great energy for God. Mm. And in Daniel 11, 32, he says this, he says, the people that know their God, there shall be strong and do exploits. Another version says, the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And what I, I took from that is that this shows, the, shows us that action can be taken by those who know God, and that's their reaction, really, to an anti-God trends, which we see operating around us or culture, while, they're, while their God is being defiled or disregarded, mm -hmm they cannot rest. We've got to do something. The dishonor due to God's name almost challenges them into action, like something must be done. And I think we see this is what really was happening in Daniel. When we're told of the exploits of Daniel, Daniel and his three friends, these are four men, I really believe, that have been very challenging me personally, that really knew God. And they were compelled from time to time to actively stand out against culture at, that, was, that was coming against them. Daniel was not a guy who would just let things, let things slide, whether it had to do with food or would someone uh, canceled prayer for a month or even on the pain of death. Daniel not merely went on praying. He went on praying three times a day, but did so even in front of an open window so that everyone might see what he was doing. It's simply... What, what he was saying was this, and this is what was kind of interesting, is that it's simply that those who know their God are sensitive to situations in which God's honor and truth are being jeopardized. Mm. And rather than let the matter go, even at personal risk, they're not willing to see that happen. But it isn't just this, the people who know their God are before anything else. And this was really, really challenging yeah. to Elizabeth. He said, the people who know our God are people who pray. Now, I read that and the Holy Spirit went and like struck me right in the, in the heart. The first point is 
where there, where our zeal and our energy for God's glory comes to in expression is really in our prayers. When Daniel, when the country was in trouble and was going to be in captivity, he realized that the nation's sin was still so much as to provoke God's judgment rather than mercy. So he set himself to seek the Lord. It says in this, in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. Mm. I mean, that wasn't just, dear little Lord, you know, like now I lay me down and sleep kind of prayer. I mean, but he prayed for the restoring of Jerusalem with a with a almost like a vehemence, like a like a like the strength and passion and, and agony of spirit, which I have to admit, I'm like a stranger to that. Yeah. I've had moments of that, but that's not my norm. And he says that our prayers are really what we may test of ourselves. And we can we can pray all about the ungodliness to which we see every day all around us. And there's plenty of stuff that go around us. But Packer made this commitment that really hit me. He goes, if ever, if however, there is in us little energy for such prayer and little consequence of practicing it, this is a sure sign that yet we scarcely know our God. Hmm. And not to bring shame, yeah, but challenge. Like, I don't want to measure myself by my by myself mm -hmm. and you know so that was that was kind of interesting yeah and i like to because when he talked about like taking action he's like okay well not everybody you know will have like the physical ability to take action or like maybe limited by all of these things but everyone can pray and yeah. that is like that is where that energy should first come oh. out is like just in a zeal for god through prayer um so i thought that that was really awesome um so the second point that he makes about the people who who know their god he says those who know god have great thoughts of god um mm. and so bringing it back to the story of daniel um when you think about the context right um the people of israel the nation of israel was up against babylon and babylon was this like huge empire um like according to every single human calculation um they should have lost but the book as a whole um, forms a reminder that God, um, that the God of Israel is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and that heaven rules. Um, and so the reason why we know these things is because Daniel speaks of them. Like mm. he declares who God is. Yeah. And it's not just like, like God, you're Lord, you know, like right. you can do all things. Um, he says that, he declares that God is the most high um, sovereign over the kingdoms of men. Um, and so Daniel knows that, that God knows and ordains all things. He, he trusts that God will have the last word, um, both in world history and in eternity um, and the destiny of every single person. Um, his kingdom and his righteousness will triumph in the end. Nothing and no one will be able to come up against him. Um, and that's how Daniel thought of God. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see that through his prayers. So mm -hmm. um, if you look at Daniel um, 2 verses 20 to 22, he says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Um, and then in chapter nine, he talks about like 
Oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love for all who love him and obey his commands. Lord, you are righteous. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. The Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Um, and that really challenged me because it's like, okay, well, how do I think of God? You know, like what, what is God um, in my in my head, in my heart, in my life? Like, am I acting as if God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Like he is the ruler over all, like he has the final word. Or am I acting like, okay, God, like, I think you can do this, but I'm not sure. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to like do something else. Or like, I'm going to, you know, maybe like try something else. Um, and so he talks about like, is this how we are living our lives? Um, and like that, that is kind of a, um, like a fruit of how you think of God. Um, uh, and so this is another way that he says that we can measure, um, like how well or how little we know God, um, mm. is by how you think of him or mm. what your thoughts are of God. Mm. That, that hits me differently because, um, I, I, I think I forget so many times, or I don't think that God is all powerful. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of doubt. I have a lot of skepticism. Um, and I, I have to really, I have to wrestle, wrestle with that because if I really knew, uh, very intimately and deeply that God can do everything yeah that everything is under his control that changes my complete thought pattern the third thing was this is that those who know their god have great boldness for god and and certainly daniel and his friends were guys who stuck their necks out i mean they they knew what they were doing they had counted the cost uh i think they they definitely measured the risk and they were well aware of what the outcome of their actions would be unless God miraculously intervened. But in, and in fact, he did intervene. I mean, once they, once they were convinced that their stand was right mm -hmm. and that was it, and their loyalty to their God, um, their loyalty to God almost required them to take this stand, then uh, this guy by the name of Oswald uh, Chambers said this, they smilingly washed their hands of the consequences. Mm. They knew what they needed to do, and it didn't matter what was going to happen. And it was like the apostles in Acts. He said, we must be a God rather than men. And there are so many times where I am very influenced about what other people other people say. Yeah. And I have, to I have to challenge myself to that. And this is the spirit of Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego. It's the, the spirit of of people who know their God, that they may find the decision of the right thing to do difficult, but once they are clear on it, they embrace it boldly. This is who I want to be without backing down, without looking back. It doesn't worry them uh, that anybody else may see the matter differently and don't stand with them. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the only Jews who declined to worship Nebuchadnezzar's image in chapter in chapter three. They didn't care what anybody else thought. And Packer makes this statement again. He goes, by this test, we may ensure our own, we may test our, our own knowledge of God. Yeah. Hit me once again. Yeah. Um, so the last, the last point that he makes, and this is the one um, where Brian mentioned earlier, like tattoos were involved. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, he says that those who know God have great contentment in God. Yeah. Um, and this this is like a quote direct, directly from the book. He says, there is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life through death and on forever. Um, and when he talks about that peace, when he talks about like, like that peace goes so far beyond just like a temporary feeling of like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not like worried. I'm not, you know, like, like scared. Like I, I feel calm. So I have peace, you know? Um, but it is this like deep assurance that, you know, that your eternity is secure in Jesus. Um, and it is so far beyond like a feeling. Um, and so that's what he, he means when he says contentment in God, it's like, so Paul in, in Romans five, he says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then in Romans eight, he talks more about this. And he says, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, mm. heirs mm. of God. We yeah. know that in all things, God works for the good, good of those who love him. Those he justified be also glorified. Um, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those who God on, has on. chosen? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's like one thing to know it. Mm. It's a completely different thing to live by it mm. and to believe mm -hmm. it in your heart, mm -hmm. um, to, to know that you, like nothing can separate you mm -hmm. from the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you tie it back to Daniel and the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, there's a specific part that a lot of people know um, in Daniel chapter three, where um, King Nebuchadnezzar basically like commands everyone to bow down to this idol that he's mm -hmm. created. Um, and he says, if you do not worship the image, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Mm -hmm. um, and so they reply in verses 16 to 18, um, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, uh -oh. if no deliverance comes, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods. Um, and so that, I feel like, is the epitome of what it means to have great um Contentment. contentment. Sorry. I was like, what is that yeah. word? Yeah. Great contentment in the Lord is to have so much peace in knowing yeah. that like, like I'm not going to, to bend to mm -hmm. the ways of the world. Like I'm going to serve God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not going to worship other idols because that goes against what God has called me to. Um, and so I'm going to follow what God has called me to. And even if even if like the end results aren't what I think they could, like, I know that God can save me, but mm -hmm. even if he doesn't, I also know that he is Lord over all, that he is mm -hmm. sovereign, that he has a plan and a purpose. Um, so Brian and I, um, you know, this, this completely like rocked my world. Like I was like, bro, what? That's insane. Um, 
And so you can see in my book at the top of this page, I wrote, but even if, and then I got it tattooed on my wrist, but even if, um, and Brian totally copied me, um, but it's fine. We'll, we'll keep, we'll keep moving. Um, but this is another one of the ways that um, Packer says that we can measure um, and judge, like, do we really know God? Um, are we content in every circumstance? Um, like what Paul, what Paul says. Um, you know, when I think when we, I remember we were, I almost want to say we we're in College Avenue Student Center. Do you think we we're downstairs with Sierra when we were doing this? Like, Possibly. I can't remember. Uh, where it was, but I remember that being a, an eye-opening experience. Because I thought back that you know what, for a lot of times in my life, my obedience was determined on what I thought the result was going to be. Yeah, and that these guys go like, even if he does not, mm -hmm. like even if it meant death, even if you know all of that, um, and that that at the end of that that was where they really realized that God was with them. Mm -hmm. And without that obedience, they would have never discovered that it was a fourth man in the fire. Yeah. And I went back to it back in March, global pandemic hits, right? People are losing their jobs and all of these things. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what happens if I lose my job? There's no income. Michelle loses hers. We lose our house. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically thinking, what does all that matter? Yeah. And I went back to my wrist, but even it, it does, it, you know what? It doesn't matter what the result is. Yeah. Because the result, and I've read that passage, Elizabeth, I mean, a thousand times. I mean, it's one of my, one of my favorite passages. And I'm really challenged that it. it impacted me this time, though, is do I live my life that way? Mm -hmm. Very practically. Like, even if he does not. I mean, total confidence, not knowing or considering the what ifs. The only thing being in my focus really was, was obeying God. And now I know, and he knows me. I remember in high school, I broke up with this girl that my parents loved. I was a senior in high school and uh, she had a religious background, but the truth was, is that she wasn't a follower of Jesus. And personally, and it didn't make any sense to her or any of my friends for me to break up with this good looking cheerleader in high school in my senior year. And I want to say this, Jesus has called me to live differently, not to fit in. Jesus is Lord of my life. I want to please him knowing his thoughts, reflecting his character are, are, are the priority of my life. I want to declare that, like, you know, even if he does not, let me say this, is that I've learned that protecting my life or choosing what I, what I want, even to the point of sin, apart from knowing honor him, honoring him, is cheap grace. Mm. Um, Jesus died for my sins. I desire to live for him. I mean, uh, a little history for all the history majors. I think there's one of them, but oh, wow. there's this guy. Uh, I read this. I read the story, and I've I've told the story a thousand times. I think, but um, Admiral Farragut in the late 1800s, during the Civil War in Alabama, he was um, leading this ship, and it was in Mobile Bay, famously, 
He was all these torpedoes were trying to prevent them from getting into Mobile Mobile Bay. And he says this, he goes, damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. Like, I mean, you run into a potato, you bait, like it didn't matter. Mm. And I like that, that, that bravado, that, that guts, that confidence where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I mean, were they, were they like that? Yes. And we're not going to serve these idols. If people were, even if I'm manipulated or I'm threatened or that it's inconvenient as, as our God is going to save us, even if he does not, it doesn't, I'm done with the result. I mean, God's got the result. I, I Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember like talking about this with our, our leadership team last year and, um, we, we just talked about how that is one of the biggest things, at least that I've, I've seen with, with people that I know, um, that like leads to them falling away from the Lord is because they have this idea of who they think that God is, and it is not aligned with who he actually is. And so they think like, okay, you know, if I do all of these things, then, then my life should be good. Right. Like yeah. I, I should have, yeah. like, I should have the good job. Perfect. And I should, you know, like the Mary, the, the best person out there for me, whatever, like, yeah. um, yeah, please show me in the Bible <laughs> where it says that any, it's going to all be good. Yeah. Like, like, even if none of that stuff happens and they actually talked about this, um, on Sunday, like even if your life is full of suffering for the like for the rest of your life, you know, if if nothing ever works out in the way that you think it should, um, do you declare like will you choose to say that Jesus is enough? You know, like like God is enough. Knowing God is enough for me. Like like what Paul said, I count everything as a loss compared to, to compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. And that is like a hard, like, that's like a hard question to ask yourself. Um, but that's what God wants us to come to is to recognize, like, like there's nothing in this world that compares like nothing in this world that compares to, to just the, the beauty and the intimacy and the the depth of like what it means to know God. Um, and like all those things that we talked about <laughs> aren't bad things, but like that shouldn't come first. What comes first is knowing God and all of those other things just kind of like are an overflow of that. Um, and so maybe you hear all these points and you're like, yeah, like all those things describe my life perfectly. Like I know God, I'm walking in the right direction. Like, thank you for this, you know, affirmation, like, great. I'm heading out, you know, <laughs> or maybe you're like me and maybe you're like Brian. Um, and maybe you're like probably everyone else on this call and you're like, okay, well, I struggle with at least one of those things, maybe all of them. Um, I don't know if I could say that I know God, like if that's you, I really, really, really want to encourage you and challenge you that like, it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, until it's, until it's too late anyway. <laughs> um, but what Brian said earlier, like, like, don't let shame rule your life. Like nobody is perfect. Right. But like the goal is to desire and to seek after 
God and what it means to know him, what it means to love him, what it means to serve him. Um, and everything else kind of just follows that. Um, so to wrap this up, he talks about um, just kind of like the first steps at the end of the chapter. Um, so he says, first, we, we must recognize how much we lack knowledge of God. Um, and so we have to learn um, how to measure ourselves, not by our knowledge about God and not by our gifts, not by our responsibilities or our titles or our leadership, like, but by how we pray, you know, what goes on in our hearts. Um, like when you're in that quiet place where it's just you and God, like, like what's really going on. Um, and so to be self-aware, <laughs> we say in our life group, um, self-awareness is the first step, you know, um, but it takes a lot of humility to be able to say, like, I know where I should be, but I'm not there. Um, and this is where I really am. Um, and so to be able to recognize just how impoverished we are and how much we need him and that we can't do this without him. And so we have to ask God to show us, you know, like show us, show us how much we need you, you know, show us how much we're, we're desperate for you, or we should be desperate for you. Um, and then the second thing he says is to seek the savior. So when Jesus was on the earth, he invited ordinary people, um, like you and like me, you know, fishers and tax collectors and all these other people, um, just to go on this journey with him. And that's how they came to know him. And so through that, they came to know the father. Um, and even though we cannot physically, you know, just like walk around the earth with Jesus <laughs> um, for like a couple of years, like the disciples did, um, like that doesn't make a difference. Like it doesn't mean that the disciples had the opportunity to know Jesus more than we do now, because he is so available to us. Um, like he says, see, if you seek me with all your heart, then you'll find me. Um, and so we can still find and know Jesus, know God through seeking Jesus. Um, and just, just journeying with Jesus, you know, day to day. Um, so he says that it is those who have sought the Lord till they have found him for the promise is that when we seek him with all our hearts, we shall find him. So it's those people who can stand before the world to testify that they have known God. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's like a hard question to ask yourself, like, do I know God? Um, and it's, it's like to say that, you know, someone I think like holds a lot of weight, but this isn't an impossible feat if we rely on God. And if we rely on, um, Jesus to really bring us there um that we can't you know um strive for this on our own you know or like if we get all of our ducks in a row then like we'll be ready to to know God kind of thing um but it's just recognizing like God this is where I'm at and I like help me to see that I need you you know and that like this is what I want to desire. Maybe I don't even desire to know you now, God, but like help me to desire that. Um, yeah. And then there was uh, chapter three, which <laughs> is not only the people that know their God, but the people that, that, in, um, that God knows us mm. deeply in every, that was another 
very challenging and encouraging um, and really get great framework of what it means to be a follower of God. Yeah. Okay, so we've got some breakout questions that um, sent in the other chat that will make it into this chat. They're already there. They're already there. Have you ever known some that known someone that you would say that has known God? Really, uh, in this kind of deeply sense way, way that Packer would kind of describe it. And can you can you say that you know God not because you feel like you're expected to, but simply because it's the truth? And which of these four points would do you like to grow in? Okay. And just to recap the four points, um, it was great energy for God, um, great boldness for God. Um, oh, great boldness was number three. What was number two? <laughs> great thoughts. <laughs> so great energy for God, great thoughts of God, great boldness for God, and then great contentment in God. Thank you. If you're encouraged by this message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and share it with your friends. We truly want to see the name of Jesus lifted at Rutgers. To learn more about Chi Alpha, including our gathering times and weekly life groups, visit us online at RutgersChiAlpha.com or hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.